We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Brad, they said it couldn't be done. They said there wouldn't be a second episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast. The haters, of which there are many, doubted us, wanted us to fail. But instead, we rise again for a second episode of the Yin's No Ball podcast. I'm pretty excited to be talking Steelers Texans with you. Absolutely, yeah. Blue Wire tried to cancel our contract. No, just kidding. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> off to a good start. We appreciate the, the support, the feedback. We, we hope that you guys are loving it. We also welcome any more thoughts or criticisms, questions, whatever. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to keep doing it. Absolutely. It's a good first episode. Fun to see people's reactions. I'll just yell it out at the top of this podcast so people know. If you're listening to the pod and you haven't done it yet, it would be unbelievable if all of you just stopped right now, grab the link to this pod, Send it to a friend, send it to a family member, send it to somebody you think would be interested in good Steelers content on a regular basis because that's what Brad and I plan on cranking out. I'll also plug the uh, – actually on, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, if you leave us reviews and ratings, that is huge for us. Even if it just take one minute out of your day to leave us a rating and a review, even just a rating is big for us. Um, and then if we can get people to leave reviews as well, that kind of stuff helps so much when we're first starting out. So anything y'all can do on that front would be wonderful to share, to rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate that. Um, and then the, the other thing is that's kind of cool is we started a YouTube page and that's gonna be pretty sweet i think once we get like maybe like for me specifically i, I gotta get my lighting set up in here i gotta get my background set up once we get that underway i think we'll start putting these podcasts like we'll start put the video version of these podcasts up on youtube for people so that people want to watch they can watch tune in that way as well and obviously it'll still be available all the places it is for audio but we're also doing like little youtube videos here and there mainly i'll be doing some film breakdown stuff on there but brad might do some stuff on there we have some off-season stuff that we've talked about doing at some point so the yens no ball youtube page as well is up and so if you all would head over there to youtube subscribe there and hit thumbs up on our video we have one video up over there on the steelers run game i broke down 27 minutes long i went into like 10 plays i think from the game about things that big issues that they have in the run game and then things that they can do to improve there were some successes and i talked about those at the end too there's maybe one or two funny moments. Maybe I got a little carried away once or twice, but uh, so it should be uh, hopefully y'all find that an entertaining uh, watch and we can see if we can do more of that con- type of content moving forward today, Brad, we're talking Texan Steelers because that is the week four matchup that is on deck. And the question that has been buzzing around the Twitter sphere in the Steelers land this week is CJ Stroud or Kenny Pickett, a better quarterback which is a trap because CJ Stroud has played three NFL games. There's no way we could possibly know yet. Although he was my C- my QB one, I was much higher on him coming out of college than I was Pickett. And I think he has played better in those couple games than Pickett has played this season so far. Obviously that's pretty low bar. Um, so with, I don't know that you could say there's a decided QB advantage going into this game yet. That's probably uh, would probably be extrapolating based on small sample sizes so far, but the Texans certainly seem like they have themselves a pretty impressive young quarterback in CJ Stroud. I think the most impressive thing, I mean, obviously a lot of great stats, a lot, you know, over 900 yards. I think he's the third quarterback ever to do that with Justin Herbert. And I'm forgetting the third guy, uh, but also for us on third and fourth downs, he has the most completions, most yards. 
Uh, most touchdowns, like he's been really good on the money downs. There is some garbage time folded into that, no question. But, you know, he's been really, really good. And then the last piece, which we'll definitely get into, uh, this was the case in college as well. So when he was not pressured in college, he was our highest graded quarterback. He was our number one charted, most accurate quarterback in the country when not pressured. But when he is pressured, that is where problems start to set in. That's where you get the Jared Goff comparisons. And and I think you may have mentioned this, but that's not a negative. I mean, Jared Goff is a good thrower of the football, uh, and so is C.J. Stroud. But But that is still reflective in the NFL. And he's playing without four offensive linemen starters. He's actually playing with a couple of third stringers uh, in this Pittsburgh game. So there is ways to exploit him to take advantage of, you know, a weakness. I think he's had better footwork already in the NFL. But there is a way to get after him uh, and make things more difficult for him. Yeah, he's played, I think, well, defenses are always going to be a part of this conversation, right? So far, he's played Baltimore, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. He's looked better each week. I think PFF kind of graded him that way. No, matched up with my test as well from what I've seen of those games. Um, also, should be noted, the Steelers up front are considerably more dangerous than all of those teams. And I think we both would agree that this is probably where this game is won or lost. Texans right now with like a makeshift offensive line. Um, a bunch of players are out. I don't. Josh Jones is out, right? Larry Tunzel's out. Yeah, so you got Josh Jones, who's a reserve guard yeah. tackle, is out. Both starting tackles are not playing. So you have left tackle three named Austin Deculus, if you're not familiar with mm-hmm. him. Uh, and you have a uh, sure. third string center, uh, probably a second or third string left guard, yeah. and then a backup right tackle. It, it is right. ugly uh, in Houston right now. <laughs> Kendra Green's in there, guard. Jared Patterson's at center, I think. Deculus yep. at left tackle. Who's the right tackle right now? Do we? Uh, yeah, no, uh, George Fant. George Fant. George Fant that's right. Like oh, yeah. weeks, he's a good yeah. backup tackle. That's he good. Is, yeah, that's, he is. Yeah. It's funny because the Texans made all these moves right before the season. It was like, oh, they're really building up their offensive line. Like it's like they kind of knew the apocalypse was coming, and now they're like fucking all these Kendrick Greens in there. And so yeah, they're down four or five starters in the offensive line, one of their top backups as well, at least. So it's it's going they, they actually were decent last week, which is pretty probably pretty damning if you're Jacksonville's defensive line. It sounded like Doug Peterson after the game was like, Hey, what did you think about the offensive line? Barely getting a touch. He was like, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like you could just tell he was so distraught over the performance of his defensive line. He thought they would ruin the day and they didn't. But a big part of that too is although you can say CJ Stroud, yeah, under pressure and it's obviously early. So we're not going to say too much, but like under pressure, yeah, the numbers aren't good this season. I do think he deserves a lot of credit for keeping himself out of pressure so far, getting rid of the ball quickly, movement within the pocket. That's pretty functional. Rarely do you see or so far, at least uh, like, Helter skelter movement in the pocket, or like he looks like he's panicking, uh, or he feels pressure on him and he just like panics in the pocket to the point where he's like runs into his blockers and he doesn't know where his steps are taking him. Seems like he kind of all has very purposeful movements, very purposeful process from the pocket. To me, that bodes pretty well for the fact that, like, okay, as he learns to process things even quicker than he is. I feel like he'll he'll be one of those quarterbacks that can beat pressure with his mind, even maybe in a way where Jared Goff falls short in that department. 
Yeah, no, I think it's totally fair. I mean, for a couple of reasons. So first, he'll have better protections, maybe more confidence and trust that it's going to hold up. But that's the big thing that jumps out on tape for me. Like his little movements, quick sidesteps, like stepping up in the pocket. It's really, really high level to where he just seems calm and composed back there. He also, I mean, they're playing better than I think a lot of people expected. But Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, like I don't think we were talking about that as an elite pass catching uh, core coming into this season. That's obviously putting it lightly. But Tank Dell's been awesome right out of the gate. Uh, you know, him and Calvin Austin are kind of funny. They're both like 5'8", 165 and playing 80% of snaps out wide, which is a bit of an anomaly. And then Nico Collins is like emerging as a dude. So, yeah, I think he'll continue to get even better. Like you said, maybe even grow beyond some of those, those early comps. He looks really good. I think it's we're still figuring out because the Texans wide receivers have played so little in their careers. Really, I mean, Robert Woods has obviously played a lot, but he's on the downside of his career. We kind of know what he is. He's going to be probably a a B minus version of of what he was at his peak. Um, and so I think with Dell and with to some degree John Mechie, who's just started playing again, I think he's played two games now. Um, and um, and Nico Collins, you're really still figuring out like what is this group? What are these players in the NFL? What are the the traits that they can hang their hat on as players and Dell, obviously very good quickness, very quick route runner. And he seems like that type that's going to be kind of a nightmare in man coverage. Um, and then you wonder when he faces guys that can press him, when he faces guys that can get into his frame a little bit, they can match some of the quickness with better physicality. What's he going to do in those situations? And it's up to the Texans probably to, we, there's not many receivers that size that are finding success on their own, apart from the scheme in the NFL. And so they're probably going to have to continue to aid him as he grows and develops, but it's an interesting matchup with the Steelers because I wonder how they're going to approach things. Typically young quarterbacks, a lot of time you think let's, let's throw his own coverage at him. Let's keep things in front of us. Let's see if let's make him make plays all the way down the field, right? Make the right reads. And the Steelers certainly have the personnel that you'd think, Oh, this is a defense that should probably approach the game with a pretty zone heavy mindset in the secondary. And there's been some of that this season, but then there's also been some man coverage too. And they've all kind of struggled. I feel like when they've been asked to play in man coverage. So how do you see that matchup the Steelers secondary and just the, the types of pieces they have, it feels like athletically, this is a lot of mismatches here, unless Joey Porter jr is going to be out there. Um, but also the Texans group is unproven enough that you could also see like that the experience of the Steelers group maybe taking advantage of the Texans group. Joey Porter Jr. actually talked to reporters and was talking about how he's basically they've just been coaching him on third downs. Like he's right now just focusing on playing money downs and he loves mm-hmm. it. He's cool with it. It's obviously high leverage and, and important for what he's trying to do. But I agree with you. I think you're going to see a lot of zone here. I think you'd like to see a lot of sim pressures, a lot of rotating safeties and trying to confuse what Stroud is seeing pre-snap because like you said, I think he can right now win with his mind at a very high level for how young he is. So just muck things up and confuse him, throw him for a loop a little bit. Um, this offensive line, though, we just talked about you know all the injuries. They've actually been very good against stunts uh, so far this year. If you watch their tape, it's surprising for how little reps they have together. Uh, pretty good communication, pretty good passing off of, of rushers. So, you know, Steelers are top 10 in stunt rate. They're top 10 in blitz rate as well. Um, and I think you'll see some of that. But to a degree, I almost think you could trust them to get home with four and try to just have as many coverage players as possible. Keep Tank down in front of you. Keep John Mechie's speed in front of you. Don't let Nico Collins, you know, have those contested catches over the top, which he's done at a very high rate this year. Um, I, I think I see it the same way. I don't see why you'd play up and, and press them, you know, unless you want to like bump a Tank Dell off his route stem, stuff like that. But um, I, I don't know if it's entirely necessary. I don't either. And I'd rather make Stroud kind of force you into that i feel like Steelers have played man coverage this season a decent amount you probably have the overall percentages i just see the percentages per player and like i see pat peterson and levi Wallace have both played about 33 percent of their snaps it looks like in man coverage i mean it, it's certainly more than pat pete was playing last year i feel like he was barely <laughs> playing any he was yeah. in the zone heavy scheme in the league so i do think that there will be enough change-ups for the texans will have to find ways to see if they can take advantage of those matchups one-on-one but like i said i mean I, this is where it gets difficult for me as well as the Texans have played because we also know so, the Texans are kind of like one of the biggest unknown teams in the NFL, right? Like rookie quarterback, wider series that have barely played now an offensive line that a lot of these guys have barely or never played snaps in the NFL before and an offensive coordinator that hasn't been what or Slowick was. I mean, I'm trying to think, has he been an offensive coordinator at the NFL level? We got to shout him out now. He actually used to work at PFF, but uh, yeah. So Bobby Slowick. Let's no, go. First time ever, yeah. Yeah. First time ever being an offensive coordinator, but of course in San Francisco in that tree probably was past game coordinator. Yeah. I want to say last year. I think that sounds right. Yeah, I was trying to remember if he was 
what his exact role and title was. But so, I mean, you used to have so much unknown. And to me, that is what makes them hard to play against is that right now they don't have like strong tendencies or strong base from which to like watch show and determine what kind of things that they're going to do. And yeah, he was pass game coordinator in 2022, pass game specialist in 2021 for San Francisco offensive assistant there before that. He's basically been there his whole career. He started in Washington as a defensive assistant in 2011, 2013, and he's been in San Francisco since 2017. And so I, I really, it's, it's going to be fascinating to me. I think I've loved some of the things he's done so far. The other interesting thing about the Texans is that they came into the year and people thought they will be a team that runs the football very heavily and they have not run the football well this season at all. And at some point, I wonder if that part of it is something that like, we have to get this going and they lead into it more. Some offensive coordinators will take that approach and say, we have to run the ball more because we're not running it well, um, rather than kind of just changing when you run the ball and things like that. We've, bemoan that before but right now they're 27th in rush epa per play uh, across the league that's in in the negatives there so it is killing them somewhat to be not be able to run the football one and two football team and probably has their eyes on they don't necessarily maybe care that much about like being super competitive this season although they don't have their first round pick for next year but i still think that that that's it's something to that they probably if you're asking in their meeting rooms what they're most focused on it's how do we run the football better than this because that's something with Damian Pierce, even with a makeshift offensive line, that you really want to be able to do at a higher level. This was my number one note when I watched them. Uh, the, this past two weeks, I watched their film before we hopped on, uh, compared to the first week where they realized it, right? So, you know, we talk about this stat a lot for the Steelers. Pittsburgh fans will appreciate this. Uh, the Texans are 29th in yards before contact per attempt. I'll talk about that a bunch, you know, a scheme stat, an offensive line stat, all those things. The Steelers are 24. So the, this team is getting less push for their running backs than the Steelers by a decent margin. And so what I think you saw last week was, and I know the highlight going around of Andrew Beck is him housing that kickoff against the Jaguars, somehow a fullback running back at an 80 yard touchdown, but they've now put him in a lot of eye formation, a lot of split back and running a lot of 21 personnel. And it worked. They, they ran power with him in the eye for Devin Singletary, for Damian Pierce against, you know, a good Baltimore Ravens front, you know, the greatest defensive line, but, you know, maybe the best linebacker duo in the sport right now. Um, And it was effective. They they had a couple of chunk yardage gains in that area. I think you'll see more of that. Um, Some duo, like just doing different things. I need to try to really give help to that offensive line. But yes, they have not run the ball effectively. They've also been in garbage time for a lot of football. So they probably abandoned it in that aspect. But I, I agree with you. There's no question about it. They want to be a team that establishes the run quote-unquote and builds off of that um and has principles and, and and like can can go to it if they need to lean on it like you said like this game like you can't just throw 50 times you're gonna get killed if you're cj stroud you need to be able to, to balance that out and it's gonna be a, a big test the andrew beck thing is so funny first of all the return was unbelievable <laughs> he just i remember scouting him in college and you know he's had how many years has he played in the league like Pretty good Four handful five, at this point, I feel like. Yeah. 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 This is like his uh, fifth year in the, in the NFL. Completely nondescript player, like his whole career. Like one of those guys that nobody really even knows is in the league. Like he's never played more than 231 snaps, which he played as a rookie in his season. Like just, and then he's picking <laughs> up and housing this return, which certainly was very slapstick coverage by Jacksonville, but also is just hilarious to watch him cruise that way. And he had legit wheels. What did he run? What was his 40? He didn't run a 40. <laughs> Go he? look it up because he was moving. I mean, he got he got to the sideline. I think he took an efficient angle as well. Like it was, it looked like a guy who knew what he was doing. Uh, it was amazing. It probably, yeah, he probably ran pretty it fast. It was amazing. <laughs> it was completely out of nowhere, but it was yeah. amazing. Let's see. He didn't run the 40 at the combine. Nah. Was afraid to be great. He did. He ran a 4.63 at his pro day. Yeah. That checks out. So, I mean, like that's all right. Six, six, three, two, fifty-two. Anyway. We say all that to say, again, we don't know what the Texans really are at this point. Like, it was 11 personnel. Like, they then now last week, they, their 21 personnel usage shot up fourth in the NFL now in 21 personnel usage. How are you going to defend that as a defense when they come out like that? What are the things they even like to do out of 21 yet? Like, are they going to add to that and change it every week? It's just a very much a mysterious football team on the offensive side of the ball. Makes it hard to prepare against, I think. But we do come back to this. If you take quarterbacks out of the equation, between these two teams. Let's go full roster. Who are you taking on the Texans? Like how many players are you taking on the Steelers? Let's play in this game since Tunsil's not healthy. In this game, that's playing in this game, Cam Hayward's out for the Steelers. How many Steelers are you taking before you take the first Texan? 
That's the thing. If we take the tackles out, it's a phenomenal question. Because, like, you know, Jimmy Ward's also not playing good safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Derek Stingley's not playing. A good gun corner I'd probably throw on Pittsburgh. So, it's a long list, man. I mean, it's probably, like, yeah. at least, like, eight, nine guys before you you throw in. Maybe Nico Collins sneaks in, but I like Pittsburgh's receivers. I, Malik Collins, I don't think he's looked very good this year. I usually tend to like him more than consensus. I don't know, man. It's a good question. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. If you take quarterbacks out and you just say players playing in this game, obviously you're taking DJ Watt first. You're taking Minka Fitzpatrick second. And then, I mean, are you taking Will Anderson over George Pickens? Are you, ta- you know, it just, I mean, we obviously get into positional value and things like that, but I'm just saying in a yeah. vacuum, like I say all that to say the talent in this game is extremely one-sided. And I don't even think the Steelers are like a top five roster or anything like that. But this is going to be a game where they have a pretty significant talent advantage over the Texans, especially given the current state of their offensive line, which I think could, if at full health, could be a strength for the Texans. The one starter they have playing, Shaq Mason, is still a very good player. Um, been a big fan of his for a long time. So if they had the rest of their group, I mean, they have good tackle pairing. You know, I don't know what, I'm not sure that we can know for sure what Kenyon. Uh, his last name's escaping me. Kenyon Green, yeah. Kenyon Green, not, yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah. Kendra Green and Kenyon Green are here. Yes. I thought I had the last name wrong because I was looking at Kendra Green. Kenyon Green, yeah, what he's going to be. I mean, as a rookie, there were some good things, but it was pretty rough in the preseason before he bowed out. And so I I think there would be other, other conversations, but not only are the Texans less talented, but the current state of their team is also pretty banged up. And so Pittsburgh, to me, like this is a game you have to win, basically. Like I don't yeah. see... Like there should be no way that the Texans are able to create the number of splash plays that they created against Jacksonville or no way that the Texans are able to protect Stroud the way that they protected against Jacksonville or that Stroud is able to overcome a lack of pressure in the way that he did against Jacksonville. Like those, those things should not be a part of, even as much as the Steelers have struggled this season, they have not struggled specifically in those ways, in my opinion. So this is still a team that can get pressure at a high rate. Absolutely. I mean, you're getting pressure against like a Cleveland Browns offensive line on pretty much every drop back. If you can do that, you should be getting after CJ shot all day long. No, I agree with you. This is a game where we'd hope to see like a somewhat convincing win. I know it's a road game. This isn't a gambling podcast, but I think it's crazy. Pittsburgh is like minus two and a half or minus three. Uh, again, small road, you know, like, I don't know. I think they're going to win this game by maybe 10, you know, plus points. But uh, yeah, you got to win up front and uh, let everything trickle down from there. We'll flip the field soon and look at the offense. But I think there's a lot of area to exploit for this Pittsburgh Steelers offense as well. It's interesting because if Stroud is superhuman or easily, clearly, no question, the best quarterback in this game, that's kind of the path for Houston. And outside of that, it's hard to envision like how they have success against the Steelers defense other than short fields, turnovers, things that happen on the offensive side for the Steelers, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but offensively for Houston, they've been solid this season, especially throwing the football. But I do think this is a more significant challenge for them just in terms of protecting Stroud. The really Pittsburgh has done, and they've done it before, where they've done some self-inflicted things to them themselves throughout the course of a game that makes it probably tighter than it should be. But Ultimately, I, I do look at this matchup and I'm just like, man, if if the Texans are an, are able to consistently move the football and produce points against the Steelers defense, I think it's almost at a point where you'd be like, what is this Steelers team? Like, I know they, you know, if they lose this game, they'll be two and two and obviously they're not eliminated from anything. But you'd have to take a long look in the mirror and be like, what exactly are you as a team if you can't, you know, stop a Texans offense that's like this? Because the Steelers this year turnovers and sacks but they haven't really shut down other opposing teams yet like defensively like it hasn't been like that type of a performance where they've just been completely dominant other than when they do those things if they sack the quarterback and they get turnovers the those things look great but they have been very splash play dependent so far this season as a defense um and so i do think there's going to be something to be said for this game as a how do they achieve this process because against teams like this you should be able to dominate um just given your advantages um given the experience of all of those different things and so yeah it'll be interesting to see if that's what's able to happen it's been line play that's kept them you know that, that they lost the line play against san francisco you know not necessarily even in even as a pass rush group they did they lose it but every all other areas they did and so it's gonna have to, i think it'll determine a lot of their matchups this season typically when they won over the last couple of years with how much their offense struggled it's been because they dominated line play on both sides of the ball I think you brought up a great point there that I also was going to touch on at some point is, you know, we're going to talk a lot about EPA per play and, and, you know, that's just kind of an efficiency metric, but success rate. I love looking at the two of them because 
sure, it's one thing to look at just, you know, uh, take every play on average, but the Steelers aren't that great this season so far in success rate allowed, be- meaning, you know, just are you allowing on a, on a play-per-play basis the team to stay ahead of the chains, you know, get four yards on first down, whatever. And again, the defense is good. It's talented. Yes, Cam Hayward's out. We understand all those things. A lot of new faces, and and they they have won games for this team. But but I think that is a big part where, yeah, like shut this team down. Like don't even let them get first downs. Don't let them get into, you know, third and manageable because I think Stroud is, like I mentioned, his stats on third and fourth down have been phenomenal. Like don't even – Make him be sitting there in third and eleven, and make it make it really difficult for them to even sustain drives. Yeah, we've talked a lot about before on other shows we've done before, and in, in our separate spaces, I know talked about how you win being really important. And this to me is a game that like is is to, to determine that kind of what kind of team the Steelers are going to be moving forward. How they win is really important. I think it's not enough just to continue to like. I mean, there there's some metrics that say the Steelers should be 0-3 right now, you know, and people can quibble about how meaningful some of those measures are. Like, I certainly feel like they were better against the Raiders. I know the Raiders didn't move the football well. Um, but I, I think that I think that there is a real argument for the fact that they were the worst team against the Browns and, and they got away with one. Um, I think that's probably true. And so, yeah, this needs to be – what kind of team are you going to be moving forward? Because those breaks aren't going to come every single week. And you're thankful and grateful and the wins count the same way. And I understand when people say that. But you're talking about processes, right? And if the process is going to be good, you, like that is more likely than not get over time going to bear out really strong results as well. And so that's the part that's under evaluation right now is how they do that. And I don't think the Texans can be marching the ball all day against you and you feel good about the direction this team's heading in for the rest of the season – their playoff hopes, things like that. Um, so getting to three and one seems pretty important there. You mentioned success rate this season defensively. Uh, the Texans themselves actually are 26th in that metric uh, per rbsdm.com. And so I'm curious on that side of the ball, that to me is the more intriguing matchup. And I, I'm excited to see Stroud. And like I said, if Stroud continues this trajectory through three games, small sample size, and can keeps ascending in his play, then we could be having a different conversation when you and I get back together on Monday, Tuesday to talk about this game. But that to me is the path. So like it's to me, the really interesting part of this matchup is when the Steelers have the ball offensively against the Texans defense, that is not impressive by most metrics that I've looked at so far. Um, I, is Jalen Petrie going to play in this game? Do we know yet? Is, he might, is, he's the one who went to what the, who had like a bruised lung. He right. could play, I think, but I'm not sure. Okay. We uh, we'll so I'll see if I can grab an injury report from today. I think they don't usually drop until four, but I'll look. Um, but that to me, this to me is the side of the ball that that's most interests me to see where the Steelers can can they build on the couple good things that they did in the last game. We'll talk about what some of those things are. But you mentioned being intrigued by this one too. What do you see when Pittsburgh has the ball here? Yeah. So again, we talk about process. I, we need to see Pittsburgh run the ball fairly effectively in this game. Like, or to me, it becomes a bit of a red flag. Uh, the Texans ranked dead last in EPA per rush allowed so far this season. Uh, they also, you know, are actually bottom 10 um, in a bunch of metrics, receptions, grade, whatever, and just covering running backs on, on dropbacks, you know, throwing to them. Uh, and so I think you need to see the ball, you know, run pretty well. I also would like to see Najee see, uh, you know, Jalen Warren get a couple targets, see if they can make players miss because the linebacker play uh, in Houston is is not very stout uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So I think that's the thing for me. You also know exactly what you're going to get. Okay, they are top 10 in uh, snaps played cover three quarters and cover six. They're going to sit back in zone. Sure, they'll have some single high, some too high, but they're going to be sitting in zone. Um, and they're bottom six in blitz rate. And they're in the bottom third of the NFL in stunt rate and sim pressure. So this is a San Francisco defense. Like D'Amico Ryans, we talk about the offense a ton. They're going to rush four. They're going to try to win with their front four. They're not really going to blitz a whole lot. And they're going to sit back in zone behind it. You know what you're getting. And I think you can attack these seams. They've actually been pretty good over the middle of the field. But attack the seam, attack the flats, get the ball out pretty quickly. And let your guys make all these these linebackers and DBs miss tackles. Uh, I think we need to see a pretty good offensive performance. Otherwise, because again, like, no one does well against the Niners. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, it's panic mode against the Niners. And the Browns this year, too. I'm not really going to panic. We saw improvement against Las Vegas. This defense is even worse. Uh, I, I think I want to see like sustained like 12 yard, 12 play drives uh, yeah. out of Pittsburgh in this game. It's, it's hard to imagine it happening, <laughs> but if it's going to happen in a matchup, yeah, it has to be this one. It's truly weakness on weakness. We have, you know, we've probably belabored Steelers rankings and things like that. We won't get into necessarily a lot of that in this show, but. 
The Texans just coming to this game, 25th in EPA per play on defense. I already talked about success rate where they were, I think, 26th. I said 25th against the run, 21st against the pass. You mentioned the fact that, yeah, they, they're, they're not a blitz-heavy team, not a semi-heavy team. They want to get pressure with four up front. Okay, who are those four right now? Will Anderson, very promising, I think, very exciting player. Probably the player you have circled, I think, right now. Uh, number 51 for the Texans, playing off the edge. Dominant in all phases, I think, too. That's the that's the other thing really right now. I think pass rush is still going to be growing and developing for him. But, you know, the reality is this, the Steelers tackles have been a question mark in this season, especially Dan Moore, if he continues to start and play. Um, I wonder what that matchup is going to look like and how he'll be able to fare in, in that matchup against a rookie. Even Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, Jonathan Greenard, some of the other guys that they have up front. You know, Jerry Hughes is in the mix there. Hughes healthy right now? Yeah, it's more been more, more Greenard or Grenard so far, but yeah, yeah, Hughes is healthy, but you know he's thirty five years old, more of a rotate. He is a good player, but he's going to come to come in on passing downs. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what you're getting out of Jerry Hughes, but he, he is always effective. Yeah, it's he's been doing it for forever. I feel yeah. like, my goodness, uh, is he one of the oldest players in the league right now? That's a non quarterback. Non quarterbacks, he's probably like top ten oldest player. Yeah. Wow. How old is he? Thirty five. Yeah. Wow. Just turned thirty five a couple weeks ago. Good for you, Jerry. Happy yeah, birthday, Jerry. <laughs> uh, it's going downhill for him per PFF grades, though. It's, it's not been it's not been great so far this season. Maybe it's finally catching up with him after years as a mercenary pass rusher. But um, no, I think that um, that's going to be the key. Like those, it's not like they have a terrible group, but it's not the type of group that is like this scheme typically relies on to be able to win and be successful. Having said that, Pittsburgh's just got to get out of their own way in a lot of things. Like I think that the game plan honestly is as simple as that. If they are determined to build on some of the things if they go back and watch the tape of the last game and they see wow we were terrible unless we use play action got the ball to our players on the move and in concepts that got them the ball on the move in breakers especially can we do that when we moved the platform for the quarterback we found something when we ran out of lighter bo- against lighter boxes and spread the field more to run and stopped using Al robinson reduced down as a blocker stopped running trying to round and pound the ball out of 12 personnel especially in early down situations when we did those things we were an effective offense. Like we were good because the players in the offense, outside of the question mark at quarterback, and obviously we've talked about Dan Moore and Mason Cole, but most of the players in the offense are talented. That's not like the biggest issue. And it'll be less of an issue, I think, when Deontay Johnson comes back and Broderick Jones gets up to speed and some of those things. So I don't think the players are nearly as big of an issue as the general concepts and what they're leaning into and doing the majority of the time. Right now it's about 80-20. 80% being bad, stuff that doesn't work or is ineffective or defenses are ready for is easy to defend. And then when they lean into the other stuff, all of a sudden, boom, splash plays, big plays all over the field. Like you can trace back the things we're talking about to basically every single big play. All the successful runs from the other game were, were I, as I outlined in that YouTube video that I was talking, I was, I was talking about at the outset. All of the successful runs that they had throughout the game were from those 11 personnel sets where they spread the field. And they had a light six-man box, and they ran into that, and the backs could see defined space, and the doubles could climb to the linebackers, and the backs could read the linebackers, all of that stuff. That was how it was effective. They also, we, we've talked about them potentially running outside the tackles more, and how can they be effective in that regard? Those are all things that the Steelers kind of control, and at any point, they can shift their tendencies and increase those things, and a defense and a team will be totally unprepared for. We talked about it with play action. The Raiders were just stunned every time they went play action. I mean, it got them so bad every single drop back. Yeah. We mentioned the one play that ended up being a one-yard gain to Warren. It should have been a wide-open completion in the middle of the field to Calvin Austin in that game. It's unbelievable how much the Raiders dragged. They were just teeing off against the run. Their DBs were teeing off against the run. <laughs> Everything was available for Steelers. The access into routes was so clean. The defined reads were there for Pickett. That is going to be the case if you can lean into this more. Teams are not going to respect the fact that you're going to play this way. And the other thing we've talked about is can they, you know, if they are going to do some type of play action off of pulling an offensive lineman and using that player in the in the scheme, can they get to a point where that has become a staple of their run game? So that I think Alex Kazora Steelers Depot tweeted this out. Right now they've pulled a guard on four plays this season. All four have been passes. So they've never pulled a guard on a run play. So it's a complete tell for a pass if they even do it. Nobody's definitely going to respect it as a run concept right now. So they need to find a way to marry the concepts that they run with their pass game better so they can continue to affect players at all levels of the field. I think that's a huge part of this. There's just so much that's in the Steelers court that it almost like doesn't like the Texans are not talented enough defensively to like 
to to me, especially with some of the, they don't have Stingley, like especially with some of those things to like really worry about them in that way. I think it's going to be more about like, do the Steelers continue to make it easy for them or do they lean into some of the things that will make it difficult for Houston? That's a crazy stat that they have not pulled a guard on run play the entire. I mean, that's that's nope. insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a couple it, times a tackle, maybe like dart scheme, like once. I don't gotcha. know. It's not been very many times, but it's pretty yeah. bad. No, the thing here too for me is I actually think you know we talked about you know maybe running off the edge and doing things against this team where you know the corners are sitting in zone and probably will fire if they if they you know see a run they'll come up and make a play. I want to run between the tackles in this game. I mean, Malik Collins and Sheldon Rankins are pretty good players, but they are. Pass rush first, interior defensive linemen that have never really been that good against the run. I mentioned the linebacker play, Blake Cashman, Christian Harris. I'm forgetting a name too, but like respectfully, not very good players either. And then, like you said, Will Anderson might be the best run defending edge because Jerry Hughes, yeah, he's awesome. He's one of the worst run defenders off the edge the last five years because he's he's a, he's a a specialist as a pass rusher. And then Grenard as well, who also might be dinged up anyway. Like mm-hmm. I think you run right at this defensive line, maybe besides Will Anderson. But again, we're saying to avoid a rookie playing in his fourth NFL start. Like that's the bad matchup. I think they should be able to win up front and run the football inside zone, give it to Najee, and, and get you know six seven yards, not two three yards. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. It should be the game where we come back at the end of the game and we say, this is the game the Steelers offense got on track. Whether they stay there or not, anybody's guess probably. Like You need tougher tougher competition to be able to determine that. If they struggle in this game, I mean, we're at a point where like it doesn't get much easier than this throughout the season for Pittsburgh. Like All the divisions in their division are going – or all the, the defenses in their division are going to be tougher than this. So there's five more matchups this season right there. And you're talking about going to the Ravens. Yes, the Rams defense lacks talent. It isn't very good. You still have to figure out how you're going to handle Aaron Donald each week when you come out of the bye week. Um, you've got, I mean, just in terms of defense, after the Tennessee's front, you've got the Browns again, the Bengals again, like the Patriots are coming up. They're like, all of these things are only going to get more difficult throughout the season. Like this is not going to be something that, that right now that the Steelers can, they just have to start to figure out this beginning part of the season you yeah you can go three and one and still look up and have a bad process. Guess what? If that process improves and you lean into some of your strengths, nobody's going to care about how you got to three and one and how ugly it was getting there. Like that could happen over the stretch because of their schedule. But the reality I think to is with this offense is we have to continue to look at that process. How are they getting there? Like I think Steelers fans impressed me probably more than ever before with their response to the Raiders game. Like. Won the game in the past so many times. I would have seen Steelers fans just be like, hey, we won. Shut up. Like, and, would have been like don't talk about the Like, the result is all that mattered. And this was the first time I could ever remember, like, in mass, like, Steelers fans being like, we're not very good. We're two and one, and we're not very good. <laughs> like, I, I mean, obviously, probably, I maybe I blocked some of the ones who wouldn't say that. But I do think, like, that's a big part of this, man. It's like, oh, okay. Like, how are they achieving what they're achieving? Because there's so much on the table for this offense right now, because it is difficult to point to one thing Houston right now defensively does well. We're three games into this Stingley's hurt. You said Ward's hurt, right? Petrie's been hurt. Like, I mean, (laughs) they're absolutely decimated old Steelers. Steven Nelson's out there to pick on maybe in this game. So (laughs) it just isn't the same group that it would be even at full strength on either side of the ball for Houston. It has to be a game. The Steelers come out and dominate. And I think a lot of another thing you talked about, like getting guys the ball on the move is also huge, you know, against zone coverage. If you're throwing comeback routes, then they're just going to tackle them. They're going to be waiting there and they're going to give you, a, you know, yeah. eight yard completion and then tackle you. Um, this is a random th- uh, shout out, but I, I was watching some college film. Uh, did you see the, the Keon Coleman touchdown for Florida State? Not the end of the game. Mm-hmm. The first one where oh. he did like a, a now a now screen and it was a fake and then he ran a slant and probably oh, had yeah, 20 yeah. yards. Of, like do that with George Pickens. Put him number two, as the number two receiver. Have him fake a now, a now screen and then just run out. Like just little stuff like that to get the, their athletes on the move. Um, I think it's huge in this game because I think once you do get the ball to those guys in space, 
not to keep picking on their linebackers, but like again with this scheme, like they they ask a lot of those backers. When you don't rush, they're dropping a lot in coverage. They have to you know deal with coming up to defend the run, but also recognize they have to have eyes in the back of their head as well. You put these guys in conflict with play action and with intermediate passing, you're going to win. But you need to have the guys moving when they have the football, not static as as they've been. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a D'Amico Ryan's defense without Fred Warner. It's it's interesting. Exactly, exactly. It's it's difficult. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of matchups, and even on the, like we said on the on the front, you know, this is an undersized D tackle group, which bodes well for some of the Steelers run concepts. Even if they don't change anything that we talked about, bodes well for getting continue to get moving on those doubles. Which I, as I pointed out in that video, I thought they did decently well against the Raiders. Um, so if they're not going to change anything about their approach, I still think they need to be. They should be very successful in this game. But if they change things with their approach, this should be a very dominant game. Like it should be. And it, so this will be very telling. We've talked about a lot of the things that they need to lean into. How much are they willing to look in the mirror and look at the process and examine things? I think Matt Canada was asked today, maybe. Uh, I think Thursday's his day talks to the media. He was asked about, and I give somebody credit. I don't know who asked it. I actually have to find out who asked it because it's actually a good question. And it stunned me that we got a, a question like this from from Pittsburgh media uh, because they don't usually look at the personnel groupings and things like that. But somebody asked him, "Will you run more out of eleven personnel and lighter bo- into lighter boxes, like dictate lighter boxes, given the success you had with those compared to other concepts?" I was like, "Man, I wonder if this person watched the YouTube video. <laughs> I don't know who watched it but, or who asked it. I have to find out." But I was like. That's a great question. And he said, yes, we might do that. Uh, that might be something we look at. He also said it's complicated. He used a bunch of egg, you know, coach speak. It's complicated. There is a balance. There has to be a balance. Like, oh. <laughs> ah, balance. We could just all be one with football. It's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I I am just very anxious to continue to learn. Obviously, like, I feel like I've been here before with Matt Canada, and I think I know what I, I'm going to expect. I, I don't expect him to, like, learn that much from his mistakes. But it is such a crossroads year in some ways. Like he knows he's fired if things don't go well this year. Like he, he, you know, he's he's vast to understand that he's fortunate he got to this point. And so I do wonder if back against the wall dictates some clear evidence on tape. Players actually playing well when you when you put them in position to succeed makes changes your mind. You know, last year I felt like sometimes like he would do the right thing a couple times a game, and the players would constantly like, that would be when they made their mistake. And gotcha. it was just like, yeah. oh my gosh like you're not giving him any compelling coaches are very linear right like very visual right. they actually result oriented well. right exactly yeah they don't see it executed well they can throw it out in a second i'm like no it works like you just dropped the ball on that play like don't throw it out um and so i wonder if that some of that could finally take place this season yeah no i i think so it is a good point no like you, you can see it executed well but if it doesn't get you the result you're looking for maybe you do think oh they, they don't like running this play or whatever it was it was apparent. Like I, I I watched the first half of your video, by the way. It's great. People should go check it out, and we will do more videos. Um, but like you said, it's just like every single one was clearly sp- spread out in eleven. And again, like you then, if you do have a staple that works, like uh, to be clear too, like you then, of course, can then counter off of that, and you can throw out of twelve. Like I think they should also be throwing out of twelve more often when they do have their condensed sets, or they bring in whether it's Robinson or an actual tight end. Because, like, yeah, use sure. your predictability against the opposing defense. Like, you're so predictable that everyone knows what you're doing. Then mm-hmm. zig when they think you're going to zag, and it's yep. going to lead to a lot of good, you know, good plays. It sounds simple, but that is, like, successful offensive football. Like, that is just what it is. Like, it's using leverage and technique and all these different things. And, like, it's faking them out. When they think you're going to do this, you do this. And you're playing the mind games. Like, that is so much of what it is, especially the higher levels against the really good defenses. This level against this defense, like I said, I think you should win the game even if your process is still bad. But I do think like it has an opportunity to be like a dominant. We're on track. We figured out what we do well. We're ready. We're cruising in this game against the Ravens the week after. And so, yeah, I think that that, that part really matters. So it both sides of the ball, one of the rare games, I think, defensively this is common for the Steelers, but both sides of the ball, one of the games where they think they have the opportunity to win the battle up front decisively on both sides like i said happens on defense doesn't happen on offense very often both sides i think that's the case and then it comes and rests on the quarterback and kenny pickett and that's the last thing maybe we'll touch on here is what do you think where are we trending with kenny pickett right now like after last season and some of the improvements that seem to be made toward the end of last season my big question mark coming into the season this year was is kenny pickett going to be a player the trust structure that can manage pressure in the pocket rather than abandon the pocket when he's under pressure 
And it, it, those two things basically were my big question marks. Were like, is he, is he, how is he going to be able to handle pressure or just pocket play in general? Like, is he going to be able to hang in there in the pocket and not try to get outside of structure constantly? Um, and so that, those are the things I wondered about him. Like the, and then the internal clock too, like how fast does that move from progression to progression this year? The accuracy concerns like rocketed up the board for me, like through three games. And it was a little better against the Raiders in terms of accuracy, but that concern just came out of nowhere for me um, throughout those games. And that adds to the list probably of things that you're worried about and moving forward after week three, I felt better about the accuracy. I felt terrible about the pocket movement still. I still think he was very like in that regard, that was a huge struggle. And that just that one area, whenever there was even the semblance of pressure, he was trying to bail out of things. Even the spin move where he ran for like 12 yards or got the first down, people are like, oh, what a play with his legs. I'm like, his process is terrible. He like has a perfectly clean pocket. He steps up in the pocket into the back of his offensive lineman. Two guys have good angles at him as a rusher, and he did spin out of that, and I give him credit for his escapability, but he wouldn't have had to do that if he just played better, You know, if he just made the smarter decision before that. So to me, those are still the big question marks with him, and I don't know where we're trending yet, but this game should tell us. It's funny because I was watching Sam Howell tape before I started watching this game, uh, you know, for our Tuesday pod. And he's the opposite where he'll stand in a pocket for 15 seconds and just get crushed. And like he has, I think he does know his internal clock is about to get hit, but he just stands in and just <laughs> never leaves the pocket. He's actually a pretty good athlete himself. Yeah, there still is too much of that. He did have, I think, good pocket presence on the touchdown to Calvin Austin where he actually just evaded a rusher. His hand almost got hit by a rusher. It wasn't Max Crosby. I forget who it was. But like, there's a little bit, but then you – I think what it comes down to is because he expects to be pressured uh, on the outside, particularly, I think he actually trusts his guards more than his tackles. And so I think he does have a, you know, two and a half, three seconds where even if there is nothing there, he's kind of just assuming there probably is an edge rusher outside of his peripheral that's about to crush him. Yeah. He still does take off too quickly. And yeah, he's a good athlete. Yes. I think he can throw on the move, particularly to his right pretty, pretty well for his, for his, uh, you know, experience level at this point, but yeah, he needs to stand in more. There there are a couple snaps a game where you're like, he probably could have had something coming open if he stayed in for like half a second longer. Yeah, I said this on Tuesday too, but there are a couple times on that tape where it's like, yeah, there's a completion right here and he didn't throw it. And it's because he felt something and he was like, oh, he's like hyper aware. Like you said, like the opposite of Howell probably, which it's funny, by the way, we should probably talk about Howell more on this podcast considering I think those were the two players the Steelers were considering like a quarterback. I, I don't know if they would have taken Howell that high or not. I'm really not sure. Knowing the Steelers, though, it wouldn't surprise me. They talk about a team that does whatever they want when the rest of the league does yeah. something else like over the years like that. It wouldn't surprise me if they just sat there and took Howell, even though – where did Howell go in the fifth round or something? Fifth round, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not sure you know what that process would have been like if if Pickett had been off the board for some reason. But I do think those were their top two guys they were considering. And so obviously now with those two playing, and it seems like what uh, Malik Willis might not be long for even the number two job in Tennessee. Talk about a guy who has no internal clock. No. Yeah, the joke. Yeah, the internal joke. Clock. I mean, the joke that goes yeah. around about Sam Howell. We had uh, Steve Palazzolo. It was like his internal clock is a um, is an hourglass, and then someone's like, oh, "If his is an hourglass, then Malik Willis is a sundial." Like the guy just <laughs> the guy is just hanging back there, just just having a picnic. But hey, apparently he's had a good off season, so who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I hope he gets chance to play because they're yeah they they need to be playing those young guys. But and then uh, who yeah. else was in that class? Uh, Matt Corral, um, Corral, Ritter. Ritter just Ritter, that's the other one. You know, Ritter's, Ritter's just has, you know, a nightmare. training wheels on in that offense. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Corral, is he back on a roster now? I don't know what's Patriots, going on there. He was one who like, I... didn't report to the Patriots. I, oh, I yeah, don't know that's right. there. So, I guess it was so Zappy was in that class too. Who I think Zappy, Zappy like, he got he's cut. interesting. I mean, he had the yeah. record at Western Kentucky. Uh, also, his OC is now at Washington State, and their offense is awesome. I think he's like a he's like a 28 year old offense coordinator. Yeah. I forget his name now, but I think he's probably a guy we'll hear about going forward in football. But yeah, like Zappy's your classic backup quarterback. Like, just doesn't have the athletic ability, but I think he does know how to navigate a pocket for sure. Yeah, um, it it's just all those guys kind of come to mind, but especially the guys who were like in consideration. Who's your QB one in that class was a big topic of conversation, and some people had picked fifth, and some people had him first, and now it looks like at least based on the early returns that you know it. Number one spot, obviously, we're not counting Purdy because nobody considered taking Purdy at that point in the draft. So we're not like being revisionist and saying, oh, he, he, you know, he's going to be he, one of those teams should have drafted him. Like, no, no team in the league thought that. So um, 
So now I, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see between Howell and Pickett, especially with both of them playing a good bit. And, and Ritter's, you know, not dead yet, but it seems like that's going very poorly in Atlanta so far for him. Yeah, it's a tough, tough sled. Yeah, don't yeah. don't watch that film. Unless you, if you want to watch a good run game, go watch Atlanta film. If you want to learn how Pickett can yeah. improve, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be, maybe we'll touch on that at some point once we've got a little bit of bigger sample size. Howell or Pickett may be a podcast that we do down the road. That'd be a fun revisit maybe even revisiting that class and Steelers draft class at some point but good stuff yeah I mean lots to get into for sure in this matchup but less probably to get into than we'll have in other matchups I think just because like I said the Texans are the mystery if there's an advantage the Texans have in this game it's that the Steelers may not know exactly what they're going to do how to game plan for them what their tendencies are whatever they may not have enough of that as players and as coaches on tape uh, offensively at least to be able to uh, lean into anything so I'm fascinated to see how the game breaks down. I'm excited to see CJ Stroud as somebody who's a big fan of redraft. I hope that he doesn't do that well this week, but um, still they get to see the, the glimpses of why and a game that, yeah, the Steelers should actually win up front. What does that look like for them and how, um, how overwhelming is, or is their advantage they're going to play out on tape? So it should be pretty fun. That about it. Right. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. Let's say next week we'll be back. Eat. We have to talk and figure out. We're definitely going to be back Tuesday. We'll see if we want to do anything reaction-wise after the game, see what kind of a game it is and, and whether we want to do something reaction-wise. We've said we want to do our podcast as like in-depth dives after we've got a chance to see tape and look at numbers and see snap counts and all of that stuff rather than reactionary gut feelings and things like that. But uh, we may get into that at some point for certain games. And so we'll definitely be back Tuesday, though, with all 22 breakdown of the game. Again, if you like the show rating a review subscribe on all the platforms that you can subscribe to our youtube yin's no ball podcast youtube page we greatly appreciate that all the support y'all give us is what makes this thing happen everybody sharing it on social sharing it with family members and friends that's what's going to make this thing continue to grow and so uh if you like the content and you're appreciative of the content we don't ask much from you we just ask that you keep sharing it with the people uh that you care about so Until next time, thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.